Welcome to Boomerang Blue Day. Good morning. We had our normal exodus to the bathroom right after tithes and offering. It's always funny to watch. And uh, we, uh, huh? Yeah, I know. Well, it is a fasting time and that changes things. So, um, you know, just it's true. Uh, one of the things I was thinking about this this morning before we jump into the message um, I was thinking about on the way to church this morning. I was. It's interesting. We're. I don't know where Barrett went. She must have been one of the Exodus ones too. And uh, but I was thinking about a time when I had. I was young. I was uh, in the Marines. I was actually heading to my drill, and I was running behind. And you know, Marines don't play games with that stuff. And. Uh, I was driving into uh, where we were meeting at, and I was in a hurry. I had not made it a part of my life. Uh, I hadn't made it a part of my life yet to, like, in the car, look two or three times. I only looked once, and I was in a hurry. And uh, I've learned that since then. And the Lord saved my life. And if, if I wouldn't have died, I would have been a major hurt. And uh, what I did is I, I pulled out, and because... In, in the message, Barrett was talking about, remember what the Lord's done for you. And so it's interesting, she had that message, and before I heard that message on the way to church, he was reminding me of something that he did for me. And uh, so I pulled up to an intersection, and it wasn't a straight intersection like this, it was kind of like this, and I pulled up to the intersection, and I looked back uh, to see if any cars were there, and there were no cars there, but I didn't look twice. And I didn't look three times like I always do now, I, you know, and I hadn't set that. I, you know, if you're a young driver, set that as precedent. Look two times, look three times before you pull out, especially at intersections. And uh, the issue was, right as I looked back, at the exact second that I looked back, the car that was zooming down the road, they were doing, it was, it was like, I think it was, the speed limit was like 45 or 55, something like that. And they were probably doing the speed limit, but it was fast if you're stopped, right? And if you had not been going. And right when I looked back, that car was right in that, you know, the, where the back panel of the windshield meets in the corner, what, whatever you call that, that section. Anyway, they were behind that metal. And so I didn't look again. I was in a hurry, and I went and pulled out. And I was about halfway into the lane, and a car goes by, by my side. They had pulled off on the side of the road and passed me. Praise God, they were a good driver. But, I mean, had they not been a good driver, they would have creamed me. And had they not been aware, they would have worn me out, and I would have either been dead or in a serious accident, it probably would have, it, it absolutely would have destroyed my car and probably would have flipped me, and who knows what would have happened. And I mean, you know, you have, you have that adrenaline rush. <laughs> it was like, you know, and, and praise God, they didn't wreck, and they just kept on going. I was like, whoever that is, Lord, thank you for their response because they knew what they were doing, and they saved both of us from a very serious accident. And I was just thinking about that this morning. Lord, how much do I owe you? How, much, how many times, have we, that's not the only time you know, the Lord saved my life. How much do I owe you, Lord? How much, how much, I could never repay you. 
I can never, you know, that happens that day. We're not married. This church isn't here. This girl's not here. Wherever Abigail is, she's not here. Luke's not here. Many of you may not have been blessed, different things. What things would have been changed? Praise God. Praise God. He loves you. He's got great plans for you. And Jeremiah 29, 11 says, He has no plans for calamity in your life. Lord, we just praise you this morning. And we worship you. We give you the glory and the honor and the praise. Thank you, Father, for saving our lives so many times. Thank you, Lord, for saving us from hell. An eternity of torture. An eternity of it. Thank you, Lord, for giving your son. Jesus, thank you for giving your life. And thank you for giving us the Holy Ghost so that we can live on a different level. Amen. Thank you, Father. We praise you and we worship you. Hallelujah. Well, good morning. Well, this, this afternoon we have Ted Shulsworth Jr. And I just want you to know he was in a, a set of revival meetings from Sunday to Wednesday. The meeting was so on fire it got extended and it went till Sunday morning. So he's, he's finishing up this morning and then he's driving here. And here's what I want to make sure that we are. Alive. <laughs> I don't want him to come out of this hopping revival up in Danville, Virginia and come in here and we're like, oh, it's good to see you, Teddy. Good, it's so good to see you. So y'all better get your amen on. You better get your hallelujah. Get your expectation on. It's going to be good. Amen? 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 Oh, there we go. Now you're awake. Glory to God. The cold weather, I know, it had you, had you bundled up. You had to get it out. All right, so now we're now we're there. So and that's the way you should be in all the time anyway. Ready to go. Ready to go. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. I like it. I like it. Church doesn't have to be traditionally bitter and sad. It shouldn't be. You know, if church was supposed to be sad, then he would have said, Well done, good and faithful servant enter into the sadness of heaven, the sadness of the Lord. But that's not what he said. He said, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of the Lord. Well, what does joy look like? We've talked about it many times. Here it is, you ready? <laughs> joy, joy. It doesn't look like this. You know, because a lot of times you'll go into traditional churches and it's like everybody sucked on a lemon before they came in. I know y'all have never been those people. Never, never have, and never have any of us, but we've been delivered, amen? The joy of the Lord. He wants these things for our joy to be full. Glory to God. He wants us to be living in fullness of joy. And that means we're alive. There ought to be something different. There ought to be a hope. The Bible says this, that we should be ready to give an account for the hope that's within us. In other words, people are going to ask you, why are you so hopeful? Why are you so uh, full of joy, full of confidence, and full of expectation? Because that's Bible hope. And, and this, in other words, it should show. It should show that we are full of the hope of God, that people are saying, why do you have hope? Why do you have that? And so we're a church of hope, amen? amen. We're a church full of hope. Let, let me see the full of hope on your faces for just a second. Hey, oh, that looks awesome. Amen. Glory to God. You have to learn how to put on a garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. When the devil's trying to weigh you down, no, you don't, you don't put up with that. Nope, 
nope, not going to put up with that. We put on that garment of praise. We put it on. Amen. Speaking of garments, today we're talking about blue and uh, blue in the Bible. And uh, how many people have heard this message before? It's quite a, that's why the Lord had me do it. There's quite a few that hasn't heard this message, and that's why he had me uh, repeat this. I don't do this every time, but uh, every year on Boomerang Blue Day, but he wanted me to tell it this morning as I was praying. He just wouldn't let me get away from it. And uh, so we're talking about blue in the Bible, and the reason is because several years ago, I don't remember when our first Boomerang Blue Day was, but it had to be six, seven years ago now, 2013, so Eight years, wow, eight years ago, Boomerang Blue Day, and uh, we said, I, I just had it in my, in my heart, have a Boomerang Blue Day. And uh, I was like, okay, well, what is a Boomerang Blue Day exactly? And the Lord said, it's like a spirit day at school. And uh, everybody wear like a boomerang blue color or black or white, something so it all looks, you know, good and matching. And uh, just it'll be a sea of blue. Amen? It'll be a sea of blue. Because when we first started Boomerang, uh, he said, I, I said, well, we kind of need some colors that are ours, you know, that, that, we, that we have. He, and he told specifically, I want your colors to be blue. Said, Amen. Glory to God. And uh, at that time, I didn't know the significance of it or anything like that. Uh, but he told us Boomerang. I felt this morning I was supposed to share as well, why are we called Boomerang? Uh, because that's a weird name for a church. And uh, as far as I know, there is no other, you know. Uh, it's not like you go on the, it's not like you can go on Google and search Boomerang Church and find another one. There's only, you're going to get the only one. <laughs> and uh, when, when we started the church 12 years ago, happy birthday again, by the way. When we started the church 12 years ago, y'all look really good for 12, amen. Y'all look very mature for 12. That's amazing. And uh, when we started the church, um, 12 years ago, we were coming up to the launch of it, and uh, I realized, you know, a few months out, we don't have a name for the church. I said, Lord, what's this name? What do you want to call this church? And uh, he brought up to me Boomerang Church, and I said, Lord, certainly you do not want to call this church Boomerang Church. And he didn't answer me, and I went, uh-oh. I was like, uh, okay. And uh, the reason he brought that up to me was about five years before that, I was, in a, uh, I was in a Sunday school class at my mother's church, and they were trying to pick out names for their Sunday school class. And one of the names that they had, they had about five names, and uh, I was just there on a random day. I, don't, I hadn't been there in years. I hadn't gone back in years after that. And I was there, and they were picking out a name for their Sunday school class, and one of the options that they had was boomerangs. And uh, as soon as they got to that name, I had a vision. And I saw the body of Christ standing there, and then I saw the body with a spiritual weapon in its hand, a boomerang, right? And I saw the body release that boomerang and if you know anything about physics when the body releases it they're putting energy into that boomerang they're empowering it filling it with energy to go out accomplish its task and if it's thrown correctly to land right back in the hands of the body ready to be thrown again 
right? And so I had that vision. I told them that vision. They didn't choose Boomerang. I thought, well, they, that was a cool vision. They should have chose the name, but they didn't choose it. And uh, I thought it was just for them, and that was it. I just, you know, that was it. Well, then five years later, we're starting the church, and up comes Boomerang. And I went, certainly, Lord, you do not want to call this church Boomerang Church. You know, and everybody thought we were from Australia and everything else. They're like, who is that guy? And many of you remember driving by the road and going, what in the world is a boomerang church? <laughs> and who are they? Are they with Hill, Hillsong or what are they? Are they from Australia? You know, are they Australian? Nope. <laughs> North Carolina. <laughs> North Kakalaki. That's where I'm from. And uh, anyway, so... Southern as can be, and you can tell it by listening to my voice. And uh, so, not, not Australia. But I also thought then about a month later, I said this. I said, Lord, I said, what is, I was like, do you, do you seriously want Boomerang Church to be this? And I told him, I said, I, I said this to the Lord. I, I'm not real proud of it today. Is, uh, I said, Lord, I, I don't need, this was false humility, okay, I don't need a name that sticks out there that much. I know that name has marketing value and people are not going to forget it. And I know that. But I don't need a name that sticks out there that much. And the Lord uh, corrected me, uh, and, and somewhat strongly. And he said, that is what I want it called. And, you know, being a good Marine, I was like, yes, sir. <laughs> you know, and Boomerang Church is what it was. So, and then I've heard people over the years, they've heard the name, and, and mostly religious, and they'll scoff at it. And I remember one time being in a line waiting to uh, eat a dinner, and the people in front of me didn't know who I was. And they were talking about, did you see that church, Boomerang? Did you see that sign, that Boomerang Church? What a crazy name, you know. And then I think we were sitting at the same table, and uh, then we went on. I'm sitting there just smiling, you know. I think we were sitting at the same table, and I went, and we sat down there like, oh, and what do you do? I was like, I'm a pastor. Oh, what church are you at? Boomerang Church. And I thought that was hilarious. And uh, I was like, yeah. So uh, I just thought that was great. And, but that, you know, I heard multiple people. But let me tell you about the wisdom of God. Because the year in 2009 when we started the church, uh, it was funny because all of the vacation Bible schools, the vast majority, they all had signs up. They all had signs up. And the name of their vacation Bible school was Boomerang Express. And so all over the county, there were boomerang signs everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. And I was like, look at that. The Lord gave us free advertising. That's just like the Lord. Hallelujah. And then... Over the next few years, I heard this testimony come out, and uh, it, I heard, that personally, I heard this testimony almost word for word, I mean verbatim, uh, almost the same thing from 20 to 30 people. They'd meet me, find out I was a pastor, and, and then they'd tell me this testimony. They'd say, you know, the other day I was driving by and I saw your sign. And, and this is the exact words almost every person said. And I thought to myself, what is a boomerang church? What is a boomerang church? All right, now I want you to know something because the heart of boomerang has always been to connect people to the Lord, right? To, to connect them or reconnect them to the Lord. And so they would say this, I thought, what is a boomerang church? And then they, they said, then I thought, well, 
I guess everybody's coming back to the Lord at some point, you know. And that's true, whether good or bad, they're coming back to the Lord at some point. But they would think, and, and this is, 20 or 30 people said the exact words. You, so you can see God was in it. God was putting this idea just through a name, through a name. And then all of a sudden they said, they said, and five seconds later, I was praying to the Lord for the first time in years. The same testimony, 20 or 30 times, almost word for word, and I realized God took a weird name and caused people to reach out to him again. And, and so then when I'd hear people scoff, I'd be thinking, you, you think it's weird because of your religious tradition, but you don't know the wisdom of God in it, you know? You don't know what God's doing with a silly name. And, of course, you know, now I love it, but it, it was, at first, I was, you know, pious about it and righteous and all that kind of stuff. But then he gave us, as we started, and again, we had like 10 people. I think we might have had 15 the first day or something like that. But then half of those went away <laughs> on week two. And uh, my preaching was that good. And uh, so <laughs> some of them were just giving us some, you know, some mercy or something like, oh, look at him starting his cute little weird named church. And uh, let's just go and, and let's help him out. and let, Let's be there for his little simple opening. And uh, so anyway, <laughs> that's probably true. Um, but we had... Uh, Anyway, we started going, we were in the house for a year, and a year and a couple of months, I don't want to leave those out, 14 months, how many days, hours, and uh, Nicole knows the exact thing because we had church in our house. Uh, so, And then, then we moved to the, uh, yeah, the, yeah, the YMCA, the, the pavilion building. Uh, out with the YMCA, out in the YMCA park, and we were there for about a year. Then we moved into the pavilion building for six years, and then we moved here, and we've been here ever since for about four years now. And uh, But we had the word blue, and when the Lord brought up Boomerang Blue Day, the first Boomerang Blue Day, I was like, this is going to be awesome. It's going to be so much fun, a celebration and everything. And I said, Lord, what do you want me to preach about? What do you want me to preach about? And God said, blue. I'm like, Lord, I don't even remember blue being in the Bible. Like, what? What? Blue? He's like, yeah. And that was it. That was all the instruction he gave me. What would you preach? You know, I was like, I was like, I better get to work. I better go start studying some word and looking up some stuff and everything. And... I was in there, and I was meditating on it. I was praying. I was praying a whole bunch in the Holy Ghost because I didn't know what to preach. And all of a sudden, I, I started searching. I started researching. And this is going to be one of those messages the same way that it hit me. It's like you see something. So here's how the message is going to be for you today if you've not heard it before. You're going to be like, and, and there's going to be several points. It's going to be like, oh, uh, okay, great. Uh, okay, okay, oh, okay. Oh, and that's what happened. And all of a sudden, I saw a revelation about blue in the Bible, uh, multiple revelations that were so strong and changed my walk with God, changed my walk. And so that's what you're about to hear today. And I want us to jump right in. Let's just look, uh, starting at uh, now, these first few verses, you don't have to go there. They'll put them on the screen. You can write them down if you want to. But Esther, 
8, chapter 8 and verse 15 shows that Mordecai wore royal robes, robes, uh, royal robes of blue. I had blue on my head. I was going there eventually. I'd combined them. Mordecai wears what kind of robes? Royal and blue robes. Blue and white robes. In Exodus 25, verse 1 through 4 and verse 8, a special offering is taken up to build the tabernacle, including blue materials. This was not a regular offering. This was a special offering. And there was something... I want to tell you about this because... Uh, blue was not an easy color. Today, we, you know, our dyes and everything, we've chemically figured out how to do it. But in this time, blue was very precious because it was in very limited supply. That's why it was special. That's why it was royal. And that's why it had certain meaning to it because you couldn't just get your hands on it. It was very costly if you had a blue garment okay so they took up a special offering and it was so uh, what do we see in the first verse what's related to the blue royal special right uh exodus 26 1 through 5 i love this in the wilderness tabernacle or the tabernacle you know the church that they made out in the wilderness they had they had made curtains with 50 loops of blue with gold clasps the uh, Okay, and I'm going to tell you what those represent. And then in verse 6 through 11 of Exodus 26, it says that they also made curtains of goat's hair with 50 loops with bronze clasps. Now, what you'll see is this. If you remember about the tabernacle, uh, and even the one that was not in the wilderness, not the tent, but the, the temple that they built in Jerusalem, you would actually enter in through the gates, then come into the outer court, then the inner court, and then the holy place where God is. In other words, it was like each level that you went through, you would step closer and closer to the presence of God, right? And so what you see in this uh, tabern- or this uh, tent of meeting in the wilderness was they would make a tent of goat's hair, and then... Uh, the outer shell had 50 loops of blue, 50 of them, okay? Now, what's interesting, if you know, uh, I'll just, let me just tell you, during uh, this period of fasting, our family has decided to do the read through the Bible in 90 days, and so we just finished with Leviticus, and ooh, there's some interesting chapters in Leviticus, but it would do the church a good deal if they would read through the first five books of the Bible on a regular basis. It shows some things and the heart and some things that are holy to God and some things that are an abomination. It would, it would help us to remind ourselves of that on a regular basis. And uh, it really has. But one of the things that we just read about in there was the year of Jubilee. Okay, And a year of Jubilee was every 50 years, everybody was set debt free. <laughs> anybody, anybody want a year of Jubilee? That's why when you go to the tithes and offerings and you look at the drop down and see the different sections, there's actually a jubilee offering. I'm sowing to be out of debt so that I can reap a harvest. You know, just this week we, we had uh, somebody that had $16,000 worth of debt erased because they sowed. The week before they sowed, this week they had $16,000 worth of debt erased. 
They sowed in the Jubilee offering. They don't even go here. They, they watch us and partner with us online. That's awesome. They saw the Jubilee get out of debt. Actually, what happened, and, and I want to tell you this, um, we actually, several years ago, the Lord led us, uh, we were doing a prayer and fasting, and the Lord led us to believe God for a year of debt, supernatural debt cancellation, erasing the debt. I mean erasing. That year, we had, we had at least half of what we have here in terms of numbers, and in our partners and attenders and members of Boomerang, we had over $960,000 worth of debt erased that year. That is a supernatural miracle, and that's what the Lord put on us. Well, the other day, he told me, he, he brought that up in my spirit last Sunday. I didn't know that somebody had already sowed and already we're seeing this year already supernatural debt cancellation. So get your faith on it. Sow for that debt cancellation and reap the harvest of supernaturally erased debt. But we, we actually set it up. Everybody brought what they had their debt kind of laid out. We put it through the shed, uh, shredder and we, we shredded that debt. And we saw debt shredded that, that year. So put your faith on that now because this year has an anointing for that. Amen. I'm believing that by the end of this year we'll have more debt free people than we've ever had before. Amen. A jubilee year. A jubilee year. And so in the, in the tradition... Uh, they would, everybody would go debt free uh, in every 50th year. And so the, uh, that was called the Jubilee year. Now here's what I want you to see. This was a completion. So 50, 50 actually represented complete. Complete. Okay. In other words, it, it's, it's done. It, it's complete. And so everything has been done. Everything has been handled. It's complete. So then in this tent, what you saw was 50 loops of blue. So blue now also represents a completion. Okay, And what it meant was as they will do the right actions, they will do, first thing is, they will handle some things. Bronze represents humanity. Bronze represents an earthly way and man's way of doing things. Gold represents God and his way of doing things. And so what would happen in this tent is they would handle some few things like the sacrifices by, by man, but as they'd step in, as they'd step through that first curtain by handling their business there and completing those tasks, then they would step into God's way of doing things. Amen. In other words, they would they would do some things on the surface that were physical, but very quickly they would enter into the supernatural of God. So the first tent, the outer covering, had 50 loops of completion of blue that was bronze. The inner tent had 50 loops of blue. So in other words, there's holy things. There's physical things. There's holy things that need to be accomplished to enter into the presence of God. And in the presence of God today, all solutions are there. In His presence, you've got no problems. The only problem you would have in His presence is if you brought yourself into His presence incomplete. If you brought yourself with sin, or you tried, you know, a lot of people are sitting there going, well, Lord, it's just not working out. I need, you know, I'm believing on you, but nothing's happening. But the issue is they're not handling 
what God's already told them to do in the physical first. They're not handling the separating themselves and making themselves holy. They're not actually in his presence where they can get those uh, solutions. They're actually outside of that because they haven't listened to the things God's already told them to do. So they're mad at God because he's not doing it. And God's saying, I've already laid out for you what to do. I've already laid out for you what to do, how to handle that. And if we will do it his way and we will complete that work by letting him empower us to complete that work, we'll step into his presence and problems go away. Is this helping anybody already? Can you see? Okay, okay, all right. All right, Lord, I see it. Okay, I see. I need, I need to go and do what you've told me to do. Don't sit on it for years. Get on it now. Handle it now. Handle it now. Glory to God. All right, so the next thing is in Numbers 4, they had cloths, a bunch of blue cloths that they would cover the elements in the Holy of Holies. They, had, it would, they would cover the Ark of the Covenant, the showbread, the bowls, the lampstand, the containers, and the gold altar. In other words, blue represented, obviously God had a purpose for pulling out blue, and he was saying something with it. And blue represented a holiness, and it represented something that was precious. In Exodus 28, 28 and 29, uh, the high priest had a breastplate that he wore. And that breastplate was tied in with uh, blue cords. With blue cords. Now, what is, uh, here's something that's interesting. What's the blessed breastplate in Ephesians 6 when it talks about our armor? The breastplate of righteousness. What's, what's righteousness? Yeah, it's a scepter of the kingdom, but what does it represent? It represents doing things right. What does that mean? I mean, it's just that simple. Doing the complete work of God. So you can see this thread of blue all through these things. If you're doing things right and you're completing, you're not, you're not leaving a sin hanging out there. You're being obedient to everything God's telling you to do. And see, here's the thing. How many people were able to do everything God's told them to do without him? No. God says, you draw on me and I'll empower you to do those things. God doesn't leave us powerless. He doesn't leave us in a place where we're helpless. No, he did something about that. In Romans chapter 5, it says that when we were helpless, he sent Jesus to help us. He sent his son to die. And so all we have to do is have a heart that says, Lord, I want to walk righteously. I want to walk right. I want to walk complete. I want to do everything you tell me to do. And as I do, I will step right into that place. So this breastplate of righteousness was secured with loops of blue, with cords of blue. And so then you see, so blue is complete, royal, special, righteous. Then you'll see this, holy, Exodus 28, 36, and 37. You shall also make a plate of pure gold and shall engrave on it like the engravings of a seal, holy to the Lord. You shall fasten it on a blue cord and it shall be on the turban and it shall be at the front of the turban. Now I want to show you a picture of this if they can go ahead and put that picture up. So the high priest 
had, the, had this garment. And I want you to see this. There you go. You can see the high priest. And I want you to see that he had that gold plate on his head. And there's the blue cord holding that up. And then the breastplate of right, that represented righteousness was tied with those blue cords. But I also want you to see that uh, on that on that garment, see that garment that he has that goes from top to bottom? It was all blue. The priest was supposed to wear this garment, and we'll talk about that in just a second. Maybe we'll show this in a, again in a minute. Those bells, by the way, see those bells in the top right corner? That's what they affixed. Uh, to the fringe of the garment, and the reason was if a high priest went into the Holy of Holies and they didn't, they had sin in their life, uh, they, if they were still alive, you'd hear the jingling. Jingle, 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 jingle. But if all of a sudden they, you know, the other priest heard the jingling stop, they also had a rope tied around his foot, and they wouldn't go in the Holy of Holies, but they would drag him out. Because here's what happens. You try to bring sin into the presence of holiness, it's like, it's like trying to bring an impurity into fire. It's not going to make it. The chaff, the trash is going to be burned up. And so this is why the Lord gives us a way to get rid of the junk in our lives so that we can spend time in the presence of God. Right? And if we, but we can't spend time in the presence of God bringing our junk with us. So God makes a way and empowers us to get rid of the junk and empowers us to come into a fellowship with God again. And He starts bringing His glory on us. He starts sharing all of His essence with us. And all of a sudden, our problems go away. And not only do our problems go away, but we start carrying the glory. And over in the New Testament, you see that the disciples, people would try to get within five feet of them because there would be an overflow of that glory. Now, does that happen today? Well, it just happened, I think, last week. You know, I walked, Kevin was standing over here. I was praying for people, and I walked over here. He had his eyes closed. All of a sudden, the glory hits him. He falls out, right? Then it wasn't just him. I walk up here. I'm standing in front of Paul. You know, look, stand up, Paul. This is not a small man, right? It's not like, I mean, and he's getting prayer. Thank you. Uh, nice jacket, by the way. And uh, so he's, he's getting prayer. I never touched him. The power of God goes, woof, and, and he falls out. This is, so can believers walk in this today? Yes, but they got to give themselves to the things of God. They must walk in the complete walk that God has for them. All right, now, they have to be righteous. Now, I want you to see this. This is so interesting. Numbers chapter 15 and verse 37 through 40. The Lord also spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the sons of Israel and tell them that they shall make for themselves they shall make for themselves tassels on the corners of their garments throughout their generations and that they shall put on the tassel of each corner a cord of blue. It shall be a tassel for you to look at and watch this and remember, okay, what does blue represent so far? Holiness, royalty, righteousness, Completion, right? Special, okay? 
it, 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 was, it wasn't just everywhere. Notice they didn't say a lot of chords. It said a chord of blue. And then he says this. It shall be a tassel for you to look at and remember all of the commandments of the Lord so as to do them and not follow after your own heart. In other words, to put down the fleshly ways, to put down self and follow after God. Why does God want to do this? Because he just wants to give us a list of stuff to do? No, no. He wants you blessed and if we will follow it. Now, this is the law that we're talking about, but we're setting up something. We're setting up a transition. These are all the laws that the Jews had to follow, but we're setting up something for where we're at today in the New Testament. You had an Old Covenant, an Old Testament, and you have a New Covenant, a New Testament. And there was a shift. And we're going to talk about that in just a second. And what you're seeing is all these laws. And he says, look, I want you to put this thread on the corners of your garment, the corners of this robe, and I want you to, uh, corners of the garments, and I want you to uh, put this thread in there. And then when you look at it, it will remind you, don't sin, follow the commandments, and don't go after your own heart. And don't go after your own eyes, after which you played the harlot, so that you may remember to do all my commandments and be holy to your God. All. What is that? Complete. It's walking righteously. So you can see that again. So now, let me show you something. Bring that here, buddy. That I have wanted one of these for so long, especially, thank you, sir, especially after I got this message. And so this past year, I was able to actually be in Israel and get a real one. This is the modern day version of what every, uh, this is an authentic one that I bought in Israel right in the middle of Jerusalem. This is the modern day version of the garment. Let me just hold it up so you can see it. And this is the modern day version of it. And you can see that this would be like a prayer shawl, but it also, so when they would pray, Many times I even saw people on the plane that would do this and they would pray. In other words, they're going into their, uh, their, into their closet, their prayer closet. They're going into that place, right? And uh, so they would pray like this. And what are they doing? They're cutting out all of the other stuff going on so they can just focus with God. So no matter where they were at, they could pray like that. Now, here's the other thing. When it, they weren't praying, they would, and I saw people all over wearing it and hopefully you can still hear the mic, but they would have it like this, and it would cover the back and the front, and they would actually, people would still wear this today. It would be tucked into uh, their clothing, and if I can show you, hold on one second. Hold this. I'll show you sort of what it looked like. I don't think this will hurt anything. Thank you. Then they would take it like this, Something like this. I'm not perfect at it. I wasn't raised in the... Okay. See if I can do that without getting the mic. They would have it like... I unhit it. They would have their clothes on over this... Got to get past my watch. There you go. 
and it would be like this, and then this would be tucked in. And then what you would constantly see, you wouldn't see this part because they would tuck it in like this, but this garment would be on them all the time, and what you would constantly see is these corners. Let, let me tell you, these are also called the fringe of the garment. And I've been, I've been wanting one of these for so long, especially for this. Yeah, now you, you're catching on. The fringe of the garment is called talit, right? That might not be the correct uh, Hebrew pronunciation, but that's how I say it from North Carolina. All right, but I saw a bunch of people walking around, and they'd have these tassels, you know, hanging out like this. It would be, you'd see them out from underneath their clothing like this all the time, and uh, you'd see those tassels, and I was like, I know what those are. I know what those are, and, I, and you'd see that. So now I want you to see something. I did one here. What did it tell them to do? It told them, let me find the one. There you go. It told them to take a single cord. So they would buy this. This blue was precious, and they would buy a cord. This is actual uh, made from the same uh, type of blue that they would have used in that period of time. And then they would tie on these cords in certain knots. And so they would thread that blue onto the tassels, onto the corner. And, and if they can zoom in, let me hold it right where you can see it. But they would, they would have that blue and those tassels. And every time they would look at that blue, what would it remind them to do? Follow the commandments. Keep the complete law. Walk righteously, to walk righteously, right? And so they would have this on all four corners. I've only completed one so far. There's actually a certain way to wrap it and tie it that they have to remember different points of the law. And what does that blue represent? The whole law, walking in righteousness and walking in holiness. Amen? And so that's how they, that's how they would, uh, Jews today still walk around. What's interesting is he told us this is a commandment to keep for all generations. But what's interesting is I talked to multiple people that don't, didn't have this. I said, where's the blue cord? And they said, we, we don't know what you're talking about. It's, it's something that's kind of been lost in their, in their customs. And I was like, oh, my goodness, you don't know what you're missing by that. And, and we'll talk more about that. But can you see that? And uh, so you can see this afterwards. Can I get somebody to help me? Help me, help me. Thank you, sir. All right, so that would be what they would do. Here you go. Definitely keep that together. I was so happy when I found that. I was so glad because I've been preaching this message now for eight years, and I always told people about it. So now let's put that on the screen, what the tassels look like, and uh, let's put that picture up, and you can see these tassels with a cord of blue. All right. The next one, that's the high priest. There you go. So you can see there the cord just like I have here. And you can see the threading uh, and they're following that command uh, to thread that cord of blue in the tallit or in the fringe, in the tassel, the corners of the garment. So blue can represent heavenly power rulership, royalty, the commandments, righteousness, holiness, and freedom 
and completion. Freedom, because if you will do the complete work or have the complete work done to you, you will be free. You'll be free. How many people would like to be free? Amen. All right, so now I've given you multiple points. Now it's about to get live, okay? Now the shift. So Exodus 29 shows that Aaron anointed. Aaron was anointed. Aaron was the high priest. And Aaron was anointed. And then uh, you see that once he was anointed, the bull was then slaughtered. And then Aaron's sons were anointed. Okay. Now this is a type and a shadow of Christ being anointed. In other words, Jesus was anointed in Luke chapter 4 and verse 18. He says, the spirit of the Lord has anointed me. He has anointed. Jesus was anointed and then Jesus was literally slaughtered for all the people as the sacrifice for sin. And then because of his slaughtering, it passed on the anointing to the body of Christ, you and I. Okay, so what you see in Exodus, just in very general terms, there was a shift. In other words, you had the old covenant and the new. And all of the old was to set up the new. All of the old, all of the blue, all of that peace, all of these offerings were to set up when Jesus comes. Now watch this. Let's look at the transition. Here's the shift. Look at Exodus 28, 31 through 32. Exodus 28, 31 through 32. He says, you shall make the robe of the ephod all of blue. And there, all right, so put up the picture of the high priest again. We're talking about the high priest, and the ephod was the garment below that breastplate of righteousness. You shall make it all of blue. There shall be an opening in its top, in the middle of it, and around its opening there shall be a binding of woven work like the opening of a coat, coat mail, so that it will not be torn. So specifically, they would put in that blue garment, that blue ephod, they would put a woven work so it couldn't be torn. Okay? Now look, look back at me. All right? So Leviticus 21.10 says, The priest who is highest, or the high priest, the highest among his brothers, on whose head the anointing oil has been poured and who has been consecrated to wear the garments shall not uncover his head nor tear his clothes. So the high priest wore these garments. He shall not uncover his head or tear his clothes. Now this is a commandment. Then let's go to Matthew chapter 26 and verse 62 and 65. It says, now this is once Jesus has been taken. They're, they're starting to charge him. He's coming before uh, you know, Pilate. He's coming before Herod. He's coming before the high priest. At this moment, he's standing in front of the high priest, and the high priest is uh, uh, condemning him, and he says this. The high priest stood up and said to him, Do you not answer? What is it that these men are testifying against you? But Jesus kept silent. And the high priest said to him, I adjure you by the living God. You tell us whether you are the Christ, the Son of God. Then Jesus said to him, you have said it yourself. Nevertheless, I tell you, hereafter you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. 
Then the high priest tore his robes and said, He has blasphemed. What further need do we have of witnesses? Behold, you have now heard the blasphemy. And in that moment, he brought an end to that priesthood and an end to that old covenant. He, he said, this old way of doing things, this old law, he tore that robe that he was commanded not to tear. He tore the robe, and all of a sudden you see a symbolism that this old way of doing things, it is no more. We know that as soon as Jesus died, what happened to the veil between God and man, between the Holy of Holies and the other courts, the veil was torn from top to bottom, symbolizing this. I have opened the way through Jesus Christ for everybody to come to me from this point forward. I have opened the way. Now watch this. Let me, let me show you something cool. John chapter 19, verse 23 and 24. Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, they took his outer garments and made four parts, a part to every soldier and also the tunic. Now the tunic, the tunic or the garment, the robe, was seamless and woven in one piece. What does that remind you of? And they said to one another, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to decide who it is. And they divided my, for this was to fulfill the scripture, for they divided my outer garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. In other words, right at this same moment in history, the high priest of the old covenant rips apart the robe, but the robe of Jesus stays intact. And there's a shifting from one covenant, from one thing to the next. We've been in the law, and now we're moving to the place of grace and faith. Now we're moving into the new covenant where Jesus is fulfilling all parts of the law so that men, he, he's fulfilling, he's completing every part of the law and the commandments to make it available for every person. Glory to God. And what is, what is Jesus bringing about? Now watch this. Has, has anybody ever thought that, man, God's just a mean God? You know, has everybody, and, and, and we may say no in here, but the truth is outside and in the world, people, people think God's a mean God because, one, they don't know all of the scripture and they just go off of what people see and experience and what they tell them. And a lot of times the devil's telling them that. He's telling them, God's mean. Look at all these people he killed and all this stuff that he killed. No, God's a loving God. And this is when, when you see the reasons why he did stuff, it was always to get love to people. You know, if there was a group that had to be taken out, it was because that group was going to cause so much death and destruction. He was like, I'm going to protect my people from the evil that's in them. He's a loving God. Watch what he wanted to do for every person through Jesus Christ. In Isaiah, it prophesies about this time when they'd switch from the old law to the new law. It talks about, look at these promises that God says. Anybody ever thought, and you, well, God must just be mad at me. That's why all this bad stuff's happened. Anybody ever had that thought? I've had that thought. Well, I, I, you know, I sinned the other day and I just can't get out, out of this. Look at this. Watch this. This is talking about somebody when they receive Jesus as their Savior. This is the promise that God says. Isaiah 51, 22. 
This is what the sovereign Lord, your God and defender says. That Talking about, I'm not going to read all the scriptures. When you receive Christ, this is what it says. See, I have taken the terrible cup from your hands. You will drink no more of my fury. You will drink no more. And then in just a couple of chapters later, look at what he also says. Isaiah 54, 8 through 10. In a burst of anger, I turned my face away for a little while. But, you're, but with everlasting love, and listen, everlasting love, that's a forever love, I will have compassion on you. I'll, I'll have compassion on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. Just as I swore in the time of Noah that I would never again let a flood cover the earth, so now I swear that I will never, say that with me, never be angry and punish you. God's not punishing you. If you are born again, God's not punishing you. Now you may have sown some things that you need to fix, but it's not God's hand punishing you in that way. If you are a believer, now if you don't know Jesus, I can't make that claim. This is to believers. This is to Christians. These are people who believe on Jesus as their Lord and Savior. He says, I, watch this, I will never be angry and punish you. For the mountains may move and the hills disappear, but even then my faithful love for you will remain. My covenant of blessing will never be broken. Never. Never, says the Lord who has mercy on you. How could God make this promise? Because there was a man who had to fulfill all of the laws. And because he fulfilled it, through him we receive that blessing where we're not walking in the punishment. We're not walking in the anger. We're not drinking from the cup of fury anymore. And so if the devil tries to tell you, well, God's just mad at you, you can say, no, he's not. I may have displeased him, but he's not punishing me. He's not pouring out anger, anger on me. Devil, you're a liar. And then you reach back to Jesus. You stretch out with faith to Jesus. You receive what he's done in your life and you start walking on top again. Don't stay in that place of condemnation where the devil's trying to beat you up. You walk in the place that Jesus has for you. Now watch this. One of my favorite stories in the Bible. Let's go there. Luke chapter 8 and verse 43 and 48. Luke chapter 8 verse 43 and 48. This is the woman with the issue of blood. And what does blue represent? Royalty. Righteousness. Keeping the commandments. Holiness. Completion. The holiness of God. And a woman who had a hemorrhage for 12 years could not be healed by anyone. Let me see that again. Just keep the thread. Could not be healed by anyone. This woman could not be healed by anyone. She could not be healed by anyone. You got a situation that nothing's working. She could not be healed by anyone. 
She could not be healed by anyone. She could not be healed by anyone. And all of a sudden, verse 44, she came up from behind him and touched the fringe of his cloak. She touched the fringe, the tassel, the corner, the righteousness, the completion, the wholeness, the holiness of his cloak. And immediately her hemorrhage stopped. And Jesus said, who is the one who touched me? And while they were denying it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing in on you. But Jesus said, someone did touch me, for I was aware that power had gone out of me. Now you understand that in this, in, you know, let, let me get the first two rows. First two rows, come up here right now. First two rows, come right here. And just surround me, surround me, quickly. Now press tight, there you go, that. Somebody touched me differently. You know, I couldn't tell who was around me. So now you understand the question. They're walking through. He's carrying healing power. They're, they're on him like this. I mean, they're all over him. Everybody, it's a pre, what's called the press. Everybody's touching him. Everybody's touching him. He says, Master, the people are crowding and pressing in on you. But Jesus said, someone did touch me. In other words, all those others didn't count. But one did. All those others didn't count. But one did. Here's my question. And I'm going to tell you how. But are you going to be one of those ones? Are you going to be the one that touches him? Someone did touch me. And how? What made the difference between all the other touches and this one? For power went out from me. Power. In other words, when they touched me, I felt the power. I felt the anointing go out. The power went out of me. When the woman saw that she had not escaped notice, she became trembling and fell down before him and declared in the presence of all the people the reason why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. Now you'll notice in this moment, why, did, why was she afraid? Because she was unclean by the law, literally by the law, because she was in there, she should have been killed. She said, I should have been killed, but I knew I had to touch him. I needed my healing, I had to have it. And when she stepped out in faith, even above her fear, her faith touched the fringe of that robe. She said, Lord, I see you. He said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace what was she doing what was why did she think that touching the fringe of his robe that that blue cord why did she think that that would do something go to Malachi 4 4 Malachi 4 4 
Malachi 4, 4 says this, But for you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness, Malachi uh, 4.2, sorry, Malachi 4.2. But for you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness, put it in the New Living, please, the Son of Righteousness, and you'll see that is capitalized because we're not just talking about a physical son, we're talking about the Son of God. And in this, in this instance, he's saying the Son of God is like the sun that we see in the sky. He is so bright with the light of God. And he says, the son of righteousness. The son of righteousness. The son of... What's the color we're associating here? Blue. Will rise with healing in his wings. And you will go free. Leaping and jo with joy like calves let out to a pasture. Now here's the thing. The word wings, guess what that word really is? The fringe. He said when the Son of God comes on the earth, the Messiah, and he's walking around, he says when he will arise. And he will have healing even in the fringes of his robe. And so this woman said to herself, This is the Son of God. This is the Son of Righteousness. The one who has completed every command. This is the one who walks righteously and holy and with an anointing. And no doctor has been able to heal me. But if I'll be able to touch the fringe in the wings of his garment, I will be healed. And she reached out with faith and touched the fringe of his garment. And immediately she was healed. Immediately she was healed. If you will reach out to God in the same way. Just close your eyes for a second. If you'll reach out to God in the exact same way. With a, with a heart of faith. Saying, Lord... No, no, you don't have to say it. Just listen. <laughs> Saying, Lord, I see you are my righteousness. You are my completion. You have fulfilled every part of the law. I might not have gotten it right, but I know you have. And when I know that you are no respecter of persons, when I reach out with my faith and I touch the fringe of your garment. You have healing in your wings. Healing for any problem that I have in my life. If I will set my heart to touch you, Lord, with my faith. Lord, I believe on you. Lord, I need you. Lord, I've got to have you. I've got to have change in my life. Lord, I, I'm right now. I need you in my life. I need your help. Just like this woman needed help. And she knew the promise. The son of righteousness will arise with healing in his wings. Healing in the fringes of his robe. There will be so much anointing that it will drip to every part. Even of his garments. And if you will touch by faith the completion of what Jesus has done for you. You will receive the saving in whatever area of life you need. So get ready now to touch the fringes of his garment, but not just the fringe. Take them into your life. Abide in him and him abide in you. One last thing you can look up at me.
to start preparing your heart. Because in a second, I'm going to call. I'm going to call people. Lord, I need. I need to touch you. I need my life to go higher. I need change in my life. I need change in my home. I need change in my family. I got to get things right. Even if I'm walking pretty right, Lord, I need more. I need supernatural help. You've called me to do great, mighty things. That means I need great and mighty from you. If you're living it just getting by, that's not big enough. That's not what God's called. He's promised you more than that. This is not, Christianity is not supposed to be a life of average, a life of mediocrity. Just getting by, just barely paying your bills or less. No, it's supposed to be a life of thriving. And you do that when you touch Jesus with your faith. In the Hebrew language, the word blue, the Hebrew word is like tekeleth. Tekeleth. The, the root word is keleth. The root of that, if you go back to that original root word, it's like kala. Kala. The word kala means to be complete. To be complete. I want you to see something. Jesus went through his life and he said, Lord, there's all kinds of sinners in the world. They're enemies of yours. They're helpless. They're sinners. They're enemies. Romans 5 shows us those three. And at that point, not when we were at our best, but literally, when we were at our worst, Jesus said, I'll go die for them. I'll go live a life so that theirs can completely turn around. And he comes onto the earth, a supernatural birth, supernatural life. He fasts, he prays, he receives the anointing. He starts walking around as the Son of God. He walks around as the Son of God. Every commandment. Every law, every commandment, every law, he fulfills them all. There's not one that he misses. He gets them all right. He never sins. Never. Every one of them, from the first loop to the 50th loop, he completes them all, and he has a complete freedom and jubilee to give to every person that will receive him. He says, look, I'm doing this for you because I know that you weren't able to do it for yourself. But if you will believe on me, I will become your righteousness. I'll take my righteousness, my living right, and I'll make it yours. And over in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it shows that when we're made a new creation, we literally are made the righteousness of God in Christ. In Christ. He did it all right. He did every one, every, every time, every commandment. He checked the box, checked the box, checked the box. Not only that did he stay sin free, but the work that God had sent him to do, he did it all. This last verse, John 19, 30. Therefore, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is Finished. That word means it's complete. I've completed every work. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. I'm telling you this morning, it is complete. Watch this. He, Jesus, 
is complete. And you can be complete through Him. Through yourself, you can't do it. But through Him, you can. Through yourself, you can't do it. But through Him, you can. Through Him, you can. What does it take? The same touch that the lady had. Lord, I see you. I see you. Lord, I see you. I see you, Lord. I see you are the Son of God. I see that you have made me righteous. Hey, eyes on me, not him. You have made me righteous. You have made me complete. You have made me whole. You've finished every work. You've finished every work. Lord, you're the Son of God. You're the Messiah. You held every command. Where I couldn't make it, you did. And you will empower me through Jesus to go and be whole and be complete today. God wants to bring a completeness. Listen, remember the year of Jubilee? He wants to bring a Jubilee, not just to your finances, to your whole life through the blue. What the blue represents. Through the blue, he wants to make your whole life complete. All it takes from you is a reaching out. That woman had to come out from her home. She had to, she had to take a risk. She had, to, she had to come out in the middle of everybody and touch the fringes of this garment. That's where her healing was. It wasn't sitting there privately. No, it was, Lord, I'm going after you. I'm making you the Lord of my life. I need you. I've got to have you. I want you. I'm going after you, and I don't care who sees it. I need your help. And, Lord, I trust you. And when we'll put that faith touch towards God, what are we going to find every time? His power will flow to us as well. It will complete you. It will make you whole. It will solve every issue. I don't know what you need this morning, but whatever it is, it's at this altar. As you reach out and say, Lord, I'm touching you today by faith. He'll meet you that faith, and he'll make you whole. I just want you to bow your head for a moment. I just want you, I want to ask you, you know, maybe, maybe you're sitting here today, and you don't know Jesus, you've never known Jesus. But today you know, Lord, I need you today. I've got to have you in my life. I've got to have you in my life. I need a Savior. I need to be whole. I need your help. Lord, I want to receive you as my Lord and Savior today. If that's you, I want you to just raise your hand real quick. Raise your hand. Lord, I need you today. I need you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Second group of people. You may be sitting there and you may say, look, I know Jesus. But I know that my walk is not where it should be. I've backslidden. I should have been going after him and I haven't been. But I need to be made complete today. I need my relationship to go up high. If that's you, just raise your hand right now so I can see you. I want to pray for you. If that's you, today, amen, I see that. Anyone else? Amen, I see that. Anyone else? Lord, I need to be complete today. Thank you, Lord. Anyone else? Or maybe this is it. Maybe you're sitting there this morning and you say, you know, I don't know what happened. I had a tragedy. Something went bad. 
And I, I was walking, I felt like I was walking with Jesus, but then it just didn't go the way I thought it would go. And, and the devil attacked or whatever, some event happened. And I don't know what happened, but I can tell right now, I need, I need your help. Lord, I need you. I've got, I need life to change. And I've got to get my relationship back where it needs to be. I need completion this morning. If that's you, just raise your hand real quickly. Amen, I see that. Anyone else? Anyone else? Don't let the devil hold you back from touching the fringe and receiving the completion of what Jesus has. Whether it be the first part, the second part, or the third part, right now, if you raised your hand, raise it again for me so I can see no matter who it is. And if you need to raise your hand, go ahead. Lord, I need you. Amen, I see that one. Anyone else? Lord, I need you today. Glory to God. Anyone else? Keep them up so I can see them. I want to pray for you. Lord, I need your help. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. I just want you, if you raised your hand, I just want to ask you, uh, right now you can put them down. And let me just ask, look here at me. Is there anybody in this section, you know, you know, I needed to raise my hand, but I didn't. I need, I need my relationship to be on top. And, you know, this is not something that's a, an act of shame. This is a celebration. This is, hey, I'm going to where I need to be. I'm, get, I'm getting my stuff in line. I'm getting in place. I need it. Is there anybody else that didn't raise your hand, but you knew you needed to in this section? Amen. Amen. Is there anybody in this section, these two sections, I needed to raise my hand. I need my relationship to be back where it should be. You, you didn't raise your hand, but you know I need to. Anybody. Anybody. Glory to God. If you raised your hand, I want you to stand up right now. And I want you to just come forward. Like that woman did who came out and said, Lord, I need your help. Just come right here with me. Glory to God. Give my hand. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. And come here close. If you need to come up, come up now. Don't be ashamed. This is a great victory. This is a great victory. A great moving up, a great being higher than you were before, a help. I know most of you, I know, I know y'all, I know that each one of you, you have a relationship with God. I understand that. But this is, Lord, today is a different day. Do you know what, you know, congregation, you know what you're about to see right here? And if you're sitting out there and you need to be here, if you're watching online, put a hand up in the comments. That's me right now. But if you're sitting out there and you're saying, look, look, Lord, I need your help too. I need to go to another level. Come on up. Don't be held back by the devil. The devil's trying to get you to sit there when you need to be up here. He's trying to get you to sit there so that he can keep ruling your life. And Jesus wants to set you free in his righteousness. This is a celebration. Congregation, what you're going to see, you're going to see a change in each person that's standing here this morning. You're going to see, man, I remember the day it changed. It was that day they had that crazy blue service. And all of a sudden, things are going to be different. Thank you, Father. Just pray this with me and let's everybody in here pray out loud. Just say, Jesus, today you are the Lord of my life. Everything you tell me to do, I will do, and you will empower me. I thank you, Lord, for saving me, for taking my sins, 
on you. I don't have to carry the weight of them anymore. I don't have to carry the weight of them anymore. Yeah. They're gone. And Lord, I'm going to do what you tell me to do. I'm not going to sin anymore. I'm going to let you help me. And I believe that you died for me and that God brought you back to life. And when he raised you up, you didn't leave me in that place of death, but you raised me up to life also. I have your life now. Yeah, glory to God. Jesus, fill me with the Holy Spirit and with fire so that I can walk like you want me to walk. Glory to God. Now, when I lay hands on you, the power of God's going to enter your body and you're going to see a change from this day forward. 